You don't want to work so hard that you scare them off. You don't want to be like, oh my gosh, I have cookies. I have snacks. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Sometimes people are going to leave. And you know what? That's okay. However, we do encourage people. And as soon as they come in and they look really timid and they look like, I want to get the heck out of here, I say, listen, cookies. I get it. Yeah, I say, yeah exactly. <laughs> Hello again, and welcome to episode 33 of Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian. She a licensed therapist, I a mental health patient for a very long time. I've been through the ringer and back, and I try to advise a lot of people when it comes to this sort of thing. Courtney, I hope I'm not overstepping my bounds no. into your territory, but where I feel like I have enough experience, mm-hmm. I do try to lend a hand from time to time. And I do have a family who are friends who are going through something right now that reminds Reminded me of my own journey, and I think this is very important in relation to raising awareness. Now, I'm going to change some of the details in case my stupid friends try to figure out who I'm talking about here. <laughs> but let's just say that there is a daughter mm-hmm. who is around teens or 20s and college age, mm-hmm. having a real hard time with the pandemic, hasn't mm-hmm. been in school since the spring. So home, trapped, missing out on the college experience, mm-hmm. watching the days fly off the calendar, realizing they're never coming back, not able to see her friends, Mm -hmm. starting to go into a downward spiral. So she went into therapy to try to address that. In the process of addressing those demons, what ended up happening is she came from, let's just say, a broken family. Mm -hmm. And she had a lot of issues with one of the parents that is no longer there. And suddenly, when you start going through the therapeutic process, Mm -hmm. what you're doing is you're tearing the scabs off of old wounds. Because you need them to reheal in the right way. But while that is going on, that can become especially painful. And she is really having a hard time with this. She's mm-hmm. becoming unbelievably angry. She is lashing out at the rest of the family. And where the panic is setting in and where my advice has been coming in is, what do we do? Because she's threatening to stop therapy. And we mm-hmm. feel like this would be the worst possible time for her to stop because everything is so raw. She hasn't addressed what was already bothering her. Mm-hmm. Now these new issues have come up. Brian, what should we do? And I immediately thought about my past where mm-hmm. I came to this moment where I had a choice to make and it was fight or flight. Right. Am I going to plow through this hoping that I'm going to come out on the other side mm-hmm. or am I going to tell myself I'm in this downward spiral and I fear that I'm never going to get out of it? Mm-hmm. Now, fortunately, I pushed through and I will explain that example later to give you a sense of what I had to overcome. But in the meantime, Courtney, is this something that you see commonly? Absolutely. And that's the thing. When you start to uncover traumas, this can be really difficult. And in therapy, too. And people naturally just want to run. If they're starting to feel really hurt and they're getting overwhelmed by all of this, I do a lot of trauma work. We talk to people about containment. If there's a lot of stuff that's coming out, we give people different tools so that they can slow down the process and maybe just focus on one thing at a time because it can be so overwhelming, everything coming out. But Brian, you make a great point. When you do start therapy, you're opening yourself up, and maybe there's stuff that you're not even aware of coming out. You've buried and it so deeply. Exactly. Or you thought that you dealt with it, or you thought, oh, it's no big deal, and you just kind of moved away from it. But then, in another context, when you're talking about it, and especially when you're talking about it with a very sympathetic ear, when you're with someone who's really trying to say, hey, yeah, this is traumatic, this is really hard, all of a sudden, you're like, oh my gosh, this is really hard what I've gone through, and you can experience all these different feelings. And I'm sure the family that you're dealing with, they're heartbroken for what this daughter's going through. 
And they feel helpless. And, and they feel helpless. And that's the thing. It's a really, really difficult situation because, of course, you don't want the person lashing out, doing things that are counterproductive. But at the same time, you're trying to encourage them to stick with it and stay the course of therapy. But sometimes that's a big thing to talk to the therapist about and say, hey, listen, I'm having trouble functioning in my life because of all this traumatic stuff coming up and talk about some ways of coping and to slow it down and some things you can do to get some more support around that. And the two of us having a preliminary discussion about this, mm-hmm. and I talked about the fight or flight. My question that I was going to pose to you was, well, she came in for one thing and then uncovered this mm-hmm. other thing. And then when the focus started to move on to that, because that was obviously a bigger problem and issue, right. she started resisting. No, I'm here to fix my mm-hmm. pandemic stress and everything else. I don't want to deal with that. Right. But maybe you feel like, well, if you don't, you're going to be stuck and you're not going to have the ability to handle that other stuff until right. we get through this. So you added a component to my two Fs with the third one, mm. fight, flight, or freeze. Right. And sometimes that's what people do too. So here's the thing. It's normal for us to feel those things because when we perceive a threat, our body reacts psychologically. It also physiologically, we have hormones going on. We have different things that happen to our body that get us ready to either fight, to run, or we just stop and we're frozen. We don't know what to do. You so get we stuck. just You're stay. like a deer in headlights. Yeah, we stay stuck. And so that actually adaptively, it can be helpful in certain situations in life. But what happens is, especially when people are traumatized, they tend to do the same thing over and over again. They fight over and over again, or they run over and over again, or they freeze over and over again instead of being able to get themselves out of that pattern. And it can become very unhealthy. The other thing is, oftentimes when people are trying to help us, we might perceive that as a threat. Like, oh, they're trying to find out what's going on with me. I can't trust them. I'm very defensive. So they may perceive that as a threat and then act accordingly by fighting kind of or running from the people who love them. And that can be a really tricky thing to deal with. So it's kind of knowing all of this and getting that education with a therapist who can help you to uncover what is the pattern that I go to? How is this helpful and how is this not helpful? And how can other people help me with this? Because we oftentimes we do, we kind of dig in and we go with the same pattern, but it can be very unhealthy for us. To give an analogy here to take it out of the mental health realm, let's just say from a physical perspective, you want to start working out with weights. And your goal is someday I'm going to bench press 300 pounds. And you walk into the gym and you put two 25-pound weights on the bar and you're struggling to get Mm -hmm. that going. You could get very frustrated and say, I'm never going to be able to get to that 300, so maybe I should just give up. Or you stick with the 25, you Mm -hmm. work through it, but then you're noticing how sore you are and how much it hurts and you start asking yourself, is this worth it? But you do know that if you stick with it, you will get to that 300 pounds, barring an unforeseen catastrophic injury, (laughs) I suppose. But that's the kind of stick-to-itiveness that you need with therapy. You just have to trust the process, Mm -hmm. trust yourself, believe that you have the strength to finally achieve that goal. And that's the thing. When you're challenged, that's what happens. When we grow, there's oftentimes that we're suffering. It's like, oh, when we're learning how to walk, we fall down so many times. When we're going through teenage years, that is a bunch of suffering, but we grow through it and we evolve. It's the same thing with therapy. Now with therapy though, I always encourage people, it's a partnership with you and the therapist. I've had clients who sometimes would just go along with the way that I was moving things along because I thought they were comfortable with that. But really, I always tell people, no, if this is going too quickly or if we're going into an area that you're not comfortable with, you're in charge. A lot of times in life, we didn't feel in charge when we were kids, when there's traumas, we didn't feel in charge. When you're married, (laughs) Brian injecting that. (laughs) 
it's very important to give that control back to the person. That doesn't mean I'm not going to try to challenge someone or try to get into what's going on, but it does mean that it's at their pace. So sometimes we do have to put a pause on certain things. There may be something, and you had mentioned this, there may be something that comes up that if we don't work on that, we're going to keep stumbling on that. But the good news is it will come back up again. Even if you take a detour and start working on another issue that they're not comfortable with issue A, it will come back up again and maybe they'll be more comfortable to work on that. In the meantime, it's really important to work on coping, some distraction, some calming, some relaxation, stuff like that, so that you can get yourself through this. We don't want to re-traumatize people, but when they're discussing trauma, that can also be traumatic. Here's the outer ring layer where it becomes really complicated. Okay, so we have this young woman who's having these problems. Mm -hmm. She is lashing out at the family members, which is sending them down a rabbit hole of anxiety and Mm -hmm. depression. And now suddenly they're having problems. The person who is causing those problems probably has no awareness as to the role that she is playing in doing this. Mm -hmm. And where it gets tricky is, do you confront that person? Do you Mm -hmm. tell them, hey, you're dragging me down with you? Is that going to make it better? Is that going to make it worse? My gut would tell me maybe the best thing to do is if you find yourself struggling nearly as much as your child, Mm -hmm. perhaps it's time for you to get in therapy. Exactly. And that's something that I always advise because the thing is, this is case-by-case basis. There's a lot of different individuality. I would suggest family meeting. Like, okay, let's talk about this. Let's get some supports out there. Let's empathize with the person, not to give them an excuse for bad behavior in the household, but let's show them that there's support. Tell them that they're not alone. Maybe share a little bit about some struggles in general, some struggles that the parents have been through or the family members, trying to bring that intervention. But yeah, I mean, this can be a really hard thing. It can be triggering for everyone. When you have one person in the family, a lot of times we tend to just focus on them, but really it's a whole system at work there. So it's addressing that. That's the thing I always say. If you're being affected by someone else, maybe you need to go to therapy and learn some tools in order to deal with that. Courtney, typically I don't like hanging out with my own family. Are you sure you want to invite that into your office? (laughs) (laughs) Come on in. The more the merry. You're used to it. Well, where I got stuck, and hopefully this can inspire other people, my downward spiral, as has been discussed many times in the past, Mm -hmm. it was multiple things, mentor and friend getting murdered, a divorce, and then a bunch of failed relationships. It was getting kicked in the crotch numerous times by various women Mm -hmm. that really sent me down that spiral. And a lot of times you will walk into therapy, and we have also discussed this before. Let's just say that I'm hung up on this particular woman, Mm -hmm. and it is consuming me, and it's not working. I'm not going in to ask you to find the best way out of that situation and to admit that it's not working. I'm going in probably looking for you to fix that relationship because I believe that's the only thing that is going to make me happy. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about the freeze component, that's where I would get frozen Mm. most of the time until finally something eventually clicked that, hey, I have this particular girl up on a pedestal and she doesn't belong there Mm -hmm. and she doesn't deserve to have this power over me. When am I going to finally let that go? Because until I am able to do so, I will never be able to open myself back up Mm. to get to the next step and find that woman who deserves to be up on the pedestal. How do you get people who are frozen 
unstuck. I'm sure there is not a one-size-fits-all answer to that, but generally, what would you say? Well, it is. It's exploring that and saying, how does this work in your world? Like, what is normally your reaction to stress and your reaction to when you feel a threat or when you get upset? And exploring that and also helping them to see that there are other valid ways of reacting to things and how would that feel? And a lot of times it uncovers some belief system that we have, like, oh, I believe fighting or getting upset about something or getting angry is not something that I need to show because you have these certain values around it. Or as a kid, you were taught certain things like you just need to suck it up or you just need to get along and go along. There's different ideas that come up. And so we have to challenge some of these beliefs and say, okay, but does it always have to be this one way to please people? Does it always have to be this way? Or perhaps there's some other ways of looking at it. And so you can kind of open that up a little bit. I know you had a therapist who helped you to see where sometimes you needed to kind of say, hey, this isn't on me. This is on the other person. That was the big first step. And that was big because a lot of times with people who deal with certain issues, like say OCD or anxiety, that kind of thing, they can react in the same way over and over again. And so I don't know if that was for you, if you found that you often either froze or ran, but you learned how to, hey, stand up for yourself. Well, as a card-carrying self-loather, the reflex is always to say, it must be my Mm -hmm. fault. And she needed to say to me, why does it always have to be your fault? Is it possible that she has just as many issues as you have, Mm -hmm. if not more? Let's go down that road and see where it takes us. And that's where I discovered Mm -hmm. that based on her past experiences, Mm -hmm. for as much as I wanted a commitment from her, perhaps she was having a problem with commitment. And that could have been based on earlier relationships Mm -hmm. that didn't go well. Very rarely, unfortunately, and I hate to be stereotypical here, do we look at the other side? And I feel like the younger that the generations get, we're seeing more of that. I talk about the selfie generation. Mm-hmm. The camera's always on you. You're the star of your own reality show. Me, me, me. Not worrying about other people. These people who don't want to wear masks during a pandemic because I'll be fine, mm-hmm. even though you might kill grandma. That kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think you need to get unfrozen there first mm-hmm. if that is your knee jerk. Right. And that's the thing. I think when you have more insight about yourself, you start to have more insight about other people. That just leads to more compassion. So even if you don't agree with someone, at least you can say, okay, I can see why this might have happened or the patterns that they're dealing with in their world. And oh, that's why we got together because I'm the people pleaser. And this one is this. So this is kind of how we all make this work. But yet, why is it not working? Okay, because it goes back to some of our patterns. So I think it gives you more insight. And the more that you've learned, like you said, sometimes you're like, hey, wait a minute, it can't be my fault all the time. Let me look at this. So it really helped you to kind of break that open and to challenge those beliefs. And what that does is it challenges your thinking, it challenges how you feel, and it changes your behaviors. In terms of it not being my fault all the time. Now it's never your fault, right? Could you possibly have a conversation with our program director who insists that say, that is the case when it comes say, to Brian, this show? You can't bring it all the way the other way, though. It's never my fault. My therapist told me. My question for you is, and since this is a podcast about trying to encourage people to not be afraid of mm-hmm. therapy, but also being honest yeah, and saying, look, yeah. it's not going to be easy. Right. 
but it's going to be worth it in the end if you stick to it. There are a lot of people who come in with one foot in and one foot out, mm-hmm. and that one foot out is there to perhaps pursue the flight option. Right. When somebody starts to exhibit that tendency, mm-hmm. how actively involved do you feel as if you can be to try mm-hmm. to prevent that? Because obviously, you can't jump in front of the door <laughs> and block it, <laughs> shove well... a filing cabinet in front of it, and <laughs> no. try to keep them there. You have to temper that because you don't want to work so hard that you scare them off. You don't be like, oh my gosh, I have cookies. I have snacks. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. You know, actually, I did work at a place where we had coffee and I would bring in little snacks. And so maybe some people stayed with me because of those benefits. I don't know. But yes, you have to take that in consideration of there's going to be times when people are just trying it out. They're a little nervous and sometimes people are going to leave. And you know what? That's okay. If this isn't their time, that's okay. However, we do encourage people. And as soon as they come in, and they look really timid and they look like, I want to get the heck out of here. I say, listen, I get it. (laughs) Exactly. I whip out the chocolate. I say, listen, I totally get it. And some people that I've worked with, they don't want to be there because they might be court ordered or they Mm -hmm. might be, you know, so there's a whole nother dynamic there. And I say, listen, I know you might not want to be here, but let's make this as pleasant as possible. Maybe you'll learn something. Maybe we'll even have a laugh. I try to inject humor into my therapy. I'm just very real and approachable. So I try as hard as I can to just say, hey, listen, let's make this a good experience. And maybe you'll learn some things about your life and maybe be able to change some things. And a lot of times that helps because instead of feeling like I'm laser focused and being like, let's talk about this and let's talk about your childhood and I need to know everything. I say, listen, I have the assessment here. I know your background, but let's do what's comfortable for you. And ironically, they will actually tell me more because they know I'm not trying to sit there and probe them. And I tell them again, you are in control of this session. If I'm going somewhere that you don't want me to go, let's talk about that. You just jogged my memory and Mm -hmm. caused me to have an aha moment that I never considered low these many years from when I started therapy with the right person in discussing she had cookies too? the usage of treats. <laughs> she did not. But she did have something else mm-hmm. that I now realized why it was there and how it helped me mm. get into my comfort zone. She always, for every session, had her cute little dog. And this thing was so chubby and lazy, and it oh. would just walk over and lay down. <laughs> and a lot it. of times put its head down on your feet. And every time when I walked in, my initial reaction was, ah. And I'd spend some time with the dog. Yep. And suddenly, whatever was on my mind, while not completely disappearing, mm-hmm. it had me focusing on something else. Mm-hmm. And when things would get tense, there were many times that I would reach down for the dog. And I never realized perhaps what was the psychology behind that, Mm -hmm. or she just didn't want to hire a dog walker. I'll try to figure that out. Because he knew she had snacks. The dog's like, oh, this is all again. Oh, my God. (laughs) Is he ever going to get fixed? (laughs) I just want to sleep. back again. (laughs) But that's That's, an interesting thing, and I think that that might have been a device Mm. that she would use to calm people down, especially people who are animal lovers. Now, if you have an allergy or whatever, I don't know what to do with the dog then. But yeah, that is so calming and so soothing. Actually, I have to laugh because people love it because Roscoe's in the background now. We're doing telehealth. Your beagle. So people are loving my beagle. They hear him in the background. He starts howling. They're like, is that Roscoe? And I'm like, oh, this is so funny. 
you can't even really see them, but yet they hear him and they love that. And I do think it goes to what animals do for us and they calm and they soothe us. Just having the animal present, I think that really does. It just helps you to get comfortable and to kind of re-enter into that environment, even though it can be stressful because you want to bring some things that you want to talk about or there's some hard subjects that you want to cover. But that is beautiful. That's a really lovely thing. Aw. All right. So I would have to bring Roscoe back into the office with me when go. we go back in. <laughs> At some point, people are going to be like, who needs Courtney? I, I just want to sit with the dog for I'm an hour. I'm just going to hang out with Roscoe. <laughs> is that covered under my HMO? <laughs> So we've covered the freeze. We've covered the flight. Mm -hmm. Now I think we need to close with the fight. Mm. And when it comes to the situation that I described, this troubled daughter and the family that is being impacted, all of this, Mm -hmm. this isn't just the daughter's fight. This becomes your battle as well. Mm -hmm. And you have to know where the landmines are and where the battle lines are drawn. Mm -hmm. Now, in this particular instance, since I know the family well, I had to sit down with the parent and step-parent to Mm -hmm. say to them, here's where I think maybe you need to do a little bit more of this. And again, it's not one size fits all. Right, right, of course. But there were a lot of times when things were going well that I tended to think occasionally they were a little too easy on her. Mm. And I think it was out of sympathy for the broken home and the impact that it had on her. Mm -hmm. And I said, are you using tough love enough? Mm -hmm. That's the question that I think you have to ask yourself. And don't make it so tough that it's going to cause her to flee. But every time your child falls down, and especially as she's entering adulthood, mommy and stepdaddy can't pick her back up. Sometimes she's got to find a way to pick herself back up. Mm -hmm. And if you don't let her do that, you're not doing her any favors. Anybody who has had a baby in your life, if you walk into the room every single Mm -hmm. time that baby cries late at night, what does that tell the baby? Mm -hmm. This is how I get mommy and daddy's attention. And so sometimes I'm going to do it even when I don't necessarily need to. Right. And that's the thing. This is one of those things where, especially working with a therapist and family counseling can be helpful too because it helps you to say okay let's have compassion let's validate the feelings of everyone involved and how this is impacting everyone but also let's have some healthy limit setting here and some expectations of how we have to proceed respectfully for the household if that conversation has to be an ongoing conversation of here's something to think about and then let's come back and talk about it because like you said if there's some unacceptable behaviors going on there has to be some rules around that. But at the same time, you do want to have some compassion for what everyone's going through. So it can be tough to navigate that. The person might actually be looking for that too. Sometimes, especially with kids, they want the limits. They want the boundaries. Mm-hmm. They want to know Even where if they don't safety. know that they want they them. They will act like they don't. They will fight you on that. But they do want that. They want to know where the limits are. And they will keep pushing until they find it. And sometimes if we don't put the limits, like you had said, if the family wasn't putting limits, the person can just push and push and push. And they don't know where the ending There's is. There's no consequences. So it's like, okay, let's start. This is what it is. Let's have some expectations, realistic expectations, and then let's go from there. Let's set up some boundaries and some limits. And I think the best way to bring this full circle is, as the parents in that equation, look, if you want her to fight Mm -hmm. and do the difficult things to get to where she needs to be, and you don't want her to freeze, and you don't want her to flee, Mm -hmm. apply the same to you. You have to fight the fight. You're going to have to do some things that make Mm -hmm. you uncomfortable. You can't freeze up and be the deer in headlights. Mm -hmm. And God forbid, as a parent, you run away from that kid. So this is a fight that the entire family 
is a part of. And I think you can't stress that enough. And by the way, if you're doing it right with therapy, you also have a professional who's in on that fight mm-hmm. with you. Right, exactly. And that's where it's like, oh my gosh, what are we supposed to be doing here? It's so helpful to have someone who can have that objectivity and kind of help everyone with their role in this. But I just have to mention, I went through some stuff with one of my stepsons. He had so many problems in school and we were just kind of like dragging him through school and it was the struggle all the time. And finally I said to him, listen, our relationship is the most important thing. If we don't have a good relationship, then you're just not going to listen to me and we're not going to get anywhere. So we need to keep that relationship. And also I had consequences, but I didn't get upset. If he failed what he was supposed to do that week, then it'd be like, oh, sorry, kiddo, you didn't do what you're supposed to do. Here's the consequence. And he started to learn because I stopped being so soft with him, but Mm -hmm. yet I wasn't angry with him. I was still loving and compassionate, but I would say, oh, okay, you don't get your video game time or you don't get this or you don't get that. And we do have consequences here. And he started to learn. And there was a few times I shocked him. You know, I'd go into school. (laughs) I said, if you don't find that assignment, I'm going into school with you. And I said to Mike, I said, oh my gosh, I don't want to go into school, into high school. This is going to be a flashback of, oh, I don't want to do this. But guess what? We pulled up one day. He never found the assignment. And my other stepson's in the back going, where are you going? Pulled up into school. I said, hang on, kiddo. I'm going into school with your brother. And little Michael looks at me. What? I said, yeah, we're going in there. Went in there, went into his locker, went through everything looking for this assignment that he couldn't find for weeks. And I kept saying, I'm going to go in there with you. Finally, I went in there. There was teachers coming out. Oh, you're such a good parent. Do you need help with anything? And I was like dying of embarrassment. All these kids coming at me. Well, imagine how the kids felt. Oh, yeah. And then, so little Michael, finally, I said, we can't find it anywhere in his messy, messy locker. I said, give me a backpack. I looked through it. The assignment was in the backpack. I was like, ah! He goes, you know what? I never thought you'd do it. I said, I did it. And he never did that again. So it's just an example of you have to have that compassion and loving, but you also have to follow through with the consequence. Well, ideally, while that should be my takeaway, Mm -hmm. I instead find myself wanting to pet a St. Bernard and have an entire (laughs) sleeve of Thin Mints. That's where you brought me. And I don't know that that's a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe we'll save that for episode 34. But in the meantime, if you would like to contact someone who is more than willing, clearly, to embarrass your own kids, (laughs) we've got Courtney Kelly right here. Courtney, how can they get in touch with you? You can always email me, wellness at wctk.com. And also, we have great resources. We do Wellness Wednesday, an episode every week on our Cat Country Morning Show. You can go to catcountry.com, Wellness Wednesday page, lots of great resources. On the socials, at Cat Country Mornings, I'm at Brian Cat Country on Twitter, Brian Mulhern on most of the other socials. She's either Courtney Kelly or Courtney Kelly Bedard. And don't forget to listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Libsyn, and a whole host of other areas. And don't forget to share this podcast with those who need it most. Mm-hmm. Rate it. Leave some comments. So hopefully we can yeah. help more people in the future. Absolutely. Or embarrass more kids. <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out. Uh-oh. Line one. It's my stepson. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's the other girl that I'm talking about, too, on line two. Oh, boy. We got to go. It's my therapist, Doug, on line three. <laughs> hey, Courtney, thanks so much. And everybody, thanks so much for listening. Thank you.